0: Hey everyone, this is Jeff Stevenson. and this is the Creative Stick Up. Um, In this business you always hear, um, hire people that are better than you. And I've had that phrased in different ways. One of them is hire people that scare the shit out of you. And I really probably didn't know what that meant until I met this guest um, some 12 years ago. um, Because this guy scared the shit out of me when I met him. So this is my second podcast of the London Sessions. I've got my good friend and legendary, fearlessly Frank or Ben Little on. Um, I met Ben my first month when I worked in London, which I guess is about 10 years ago. He was in his mid-20s, and he was already one of the best presenters, strategists, creatives, new business guys, concept guys, just one of those people. Um, What I love about Ben is he takes every brief and tries to figure out the way that we can change the world. and and elevates it. And uh, it's amazing. So his company, Fearlessly Frank, that he runs with his uh, good friend and my good friend, Wayne Guthrie, is one of the UK's largest innovation agencies. And I'm such a fan of the work they do. Um, They've actually, both of them, Ben and Wayne, have done quite a bit of work in St. Louis. So many of you may know them. Um, So we talk about how it started, how they found their independence, their groove, and now sort of have this really interesting um, gap and white space between being a great creative agency and a game changing business consultancy uh, focusing on innovation. So, enjoy my conversation with Ben Little.
1: We needed someone that could run that brand strategy and design pillar of okay. the business. And no, no better person. It. Than
0: so we're sitting here in Shoreditch at the Fearlessly Frank headquarters. You've got, and, and I'm with my good friend Ben Little, who I've known for it seems like my creative career started here, right? <laughs> and I always say, How do you know these guys? It's like we were almost together at the very beginning, right? They definitely. Right. Definitely. I don't know how old you were when we met 20 something.
1: 20 something, yeah. You
0: know, I didn't even know. And here you are with your own, with your own shop, this one of the top innovation consultancies in the UK. Let's talk about what you're doing now, and then we'll go back and sort of talk about how you got here. Yeah. But yeah, tell me. I want to hear about Freelancey Frank because it's evolved since I've known it. But but today the offering is amazing, and just I was looking at it, it's, it's tight. So
1: Freelancey uh, Frank, uh, we are an innovation uh, business, and we. Uh, work with global clients yeah. like Renault, Nissan, um, a number of smartphone manufacturers, mm-hmm. um, and a number of big high-profile brands, yeah. and then we work with a lot of startups. Okay, and not much in between. Right. <laughs> and you and you have money and stake and stuff in the startups as well. And then in the startups, yeah. either we co-own them. Yep, um, of which we have three. Okay um or we uh or we work with very, very heavily invested startups so yep. guys that have raised 10 20 30 40 50 million kind of plus okay. so these kind of big startups yeah yeah um but it's great fun and then we do new product development mm-hmm. and new strategy development mm-hmm. and then we do go to market um mm-hmm. strategies and that's our the core of our consultancy business mm-hmm. so Working with a big global brand, how do we create something new? Yep. Or working with a startup, how do we take that new stuff to market? And then we have three disciplines that are our creative disciplines, if you like, which is brand strategy and design, technology ideas and implementation, and then content um, development and production. Okay. So, uh, but the bulk of our business is the, sh- the strategy stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, five years ago, you're an agency.
0: Just to, yeah. right and at some point you just you move into this space. And this space is Bain and McKinsey and business. And you you know, we all come from traditional just straight up agency, experiential companies doing all this stuff. And when did you did you guys
1: see this opportunity? How did you guys figure out how to go go into this space? So I suppose that's if we roll right back to where we when we first Okay. And, and this worked. has always
0: been in the design then,
1: when we, then? So we started Phyllis and Frank in a um, partnership with IPG Okay, yeah, and in a joint venture with Momentum yep. where you were obviously yep. the executive credit director right. and that's how we met. <laughs> I remember this. But when we, approached, uh, <laughs> when we approached the deal, we wanted to, at the time we referred to it as we want to create IP for clients, yeah. for businesses. And that was always mm-hmm. the plan. And I suppose the two things we did were media-neutral creative ideas mm-hmm. with you and the team. Mm-hmm. And we won a lot of business. A lot of business. A lot of and good stuff. We did a lot of good stuff. I like a couple of hundred million dollars worth of business. Yep. And then the other thing we we wanted to do more of, but, but it was hard to find the time, and the business hadn't really caught up, was, was this IP thing. So mm-hmm. how do we create intellectual property? How do we create new brands, new ideas, new businesses? And I remember when we set the company up, we went to see a very, um, well renowned and established, um, uh, consultant Mm -hmm. that that marries agencies and clients. And we said, this is what we want to do. And they were like, we have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And, and I met with them, uh, again about Mm -hmm. a year ago and It was the conversation was totally different. So in that period of time, in those years between two thousand and five and now, so sort of ten years, the market has changed so much. And I think we were really we were like too early. Yeah. Um, But the partnership with 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 momentum and with the IPG network gave us a a great springboard Mm -hmm. to find ourselves creatively. Mm and to work with guys like you mm-hmm. um, and to learn so much and do those global pitches and roll that stuff out, that when we when we eventually left the IPG network and went independent, mm-hmm. and we kept a great relationship. Sure. In fact, we just helped the guys out on a pitch recently. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> for, the, for something else. For the beep. Um, we're going to have to beep that. All right, we'll beep it. Um, but... Uh, the, uh, <laughs> But yeah, we held them out on pitch. The relationship's still great and it's still there. But we had to go on our own. I think that in order to really um, kind of go to the frontier mm-hmm. and go where other people weren't going, mm-hmm. um, we had to be independent. Yeah. I think that the big networks loved what we did, but they loved it because it gave a twist yeah. in a pitch. But yeah. they didn't necessarily love it like we loved it. Like They didn't see it as a business idea yeah. um, and as the future of the industry. So for us now, we, we work at board level, mm-hmm. um, and we work with amazing brands mm-hmm. and on amazing ideas, and our job is to dream up new stuff yeah. and then help take it to market. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's loads of fun doing it. Yeah. And uh, it's, Seeing where you're at, it's, it, innovation at companies it means
0: a lot of different things. It means uh, trying to be more efficient in a process, and that's not what you guys do. It means rolling out a new flavor which I think is interesting, you know, but that's not what you guys do. No, There's this space that you've, that you want to play in. That is, it, it's completely, it's almost reinventing whatever they're doing. But is this a, is you go to these companies, do they, are they, do they know they need this? Is this well received? Is it easier for you guys to get in the door? Just talking about this, you know? Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's different. Um, so the simplest stuff is the startups. Okay, they've got something new, right, and it's disruptive. Yeah, but they don't necessarily have the expertise or the experience in in how they're going to get it to market. So, so I'm a startup. I
0: have a great idea, and you guys will. It's it's not like an acceleration program, but it kind
1: of is, right? Yeah, I mean, we we can we would start with um, interrogating the idea, okay, and then really building on it, mm-hmm. um, and then productizing it. So, what is it? Is mm-hmm. it an app? Is it a physical product? Mm-hmm. What is it? and then we would get into the how do we get it to market and then even assist with things like fundraising and stuff like that.
0: Can we talk about one of the a couple of ones you're working on? Can we talk about Vero? Can we talk about Sherpa? Yeah,
1: so we can talk about obviously so much of what we do is like top secret. Yeah. No but idea. um uh, but on the startup front, yeah, let's just talk about Sherpa. So um, two guys who uh, had worked in the insurance industry in the banking industry for their entire careers. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys was uh, very high up in one of the biggest management consultancies in the world, who ran their insurance desk. And I had um, a meeting with him, and he, and he hit me with this kind of the problem, which right. was like, there's a no one knows that they have the right insurance. Right. No one knows if they've got the right insurance or not. Right, and as a universal, as universal problem, no one has a clue, and that's so true. And it's a trillion. We all have lots of insurance. It's a trillion-dollar industry, right, and more. Home, health, dental, vision, life, right, Right. smartphone, whatever, right. Right. And it's all all bundled in, and the market is uh, has become hugely. Complicated mm-hmm. for the consumer and then I saw this statistic that apparently more people would rather go to the dentist for root canal <laughs> than deal with their insurance company and I thought, okay, this is right. Right. So, yeah. um, and for us, you know, when we're, when we're very connected to technology and all the things that are happening in the marketplace around data and wearables, the solution kind of jumped out at me mm-hmm. which was the technology, technology and data has the answer to that problem. Yeah, like, we know we don't. Might, we might not know what kind of insurance we need, mm-hmm. but in the next five years' time, our smartphone, our wearables, mm-hmm. our social media data, and um, you know, hey, twenty three and Me, you know, like swab your mouth, send mm-hmm. it off, and yeah. they send you a full DNA breakdown of right. who you are, yeah. where you've come from, your propensity for illness, yeah. Like we we have all the information at our fingertips to buy to buy very specific insurance for us. It, it, to, to to invent a product, yeah. that will be your insurance, yeah, Jeff's insurance, yeah. I'm um, using all that data and yeah. not using it for the insurance companies, but using it for you, yeah. So the insurance companies hire the brightest brains in the world: mathematicians, mm-hmm. data scientists, etc. And they're just crunching all this information so that they can ensure that they make profit. Yeah. So I was like, well, hang on a minute. I'm going to get the same bright minds to crunch the same information to make sure that you have the right insurance. Yeah. So it's like we're like the Jedi yeah. to the kind of, um, you know, the rebellion. We're, like, we're the rebellion to the, <laughs> to the giant empire, to the giant the insurance empire which is the insurance industry. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good example of how we work with a the startup. Yeah. You know, they came to us with a, with a problem. Mm-hmm. Very bright guys, knew everything about the market. Um, knew what they wanted to do. Yeah. Knew that the market had hit hit a, hit a point where it had to change. Yeah, but weren't 100 percent sure how to do it. Yeah. So we helped them productize it. We've been helping them raise the funds, helping them build the product, helping them go to market. And and um and I'm confident that we'll have we'll have something in market by the kind of middle of next year. Wow. Even if it's a beta. Yeah. So and that's a good example. So that's at one end of the spectrum, the startups. And then the other end of the spectrum, you've got the big global brands. Yeah. So um. Uh, you know, let's take, for example, HTC. Yeah. We've been working with them for years and years and years and we've done a whole load of brand strategy and product development and uh, and product campaigns and launch campaigns and then we had this crazy idea. What if we took all of HTC's phones around the world right. and connected them together? Right. Um, and remember back in the day, uh, there was a screen saver. And it had, like, stars all over it. Mm -hmm. And if you had this screensaver, your spare computer processing power was being donated to SETI, which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Okay. So I was like, well, hang on a minute. These phones are, like, way more powerful than my computer was back then. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. So we contacted the uh, UC Berkeley Mm -hmm. and a guy called Dr. David Anderson, who is the inventor of volunteer computing. And if you think about computing in the world that we live in now – Supercomputers are hugely expensive. Yet we all have these machines and loads of them. Yeah. So I said, look, we want to do what you did for desktop but for mobile. And he said, so do I. So we started sending <laughs> him these phones. Yeah. And he blew up a couple. Yeah. And it was <laughs> Got all a bit crazy. Yeah. And then we took the idea to, uh, to the owner of HTC, Cher Wang. Mm-hmm. And she loved it. Mm-hmm. And she said, let's launch it. So we launched it at Mobile World Congress. And, and it's uh, basically using, when you're not using your smartphone – it's going. The processing
0: power is going to be donated to SETI, or whatever, and others It yeah. could be anything. Yeah, a project
1: to be used in the background. That's the crunch numbers, big data. That's it. You go to bed at night, right? Plug your phone in, right? And you select, do oh, I want it to go to AIDS research, cancer research? Environmental mm-hmm. research, search for artificial intelligence, you go to sleep and your phone becomes part of a global network right. that's crunching that data. So, wow. for example, a piece of cancer research mm-hmm. that would take a thousand years to figure out, yeah. we could do in a week. We built two supercomputers. Wow. So that's a good example of, I suppose, it's an innovation, it's mm-hmm. a new idea, but it's designed to do more than one thing. Yeah. It's designed to shift people's perception of that brand. Yeah. You know, if you're walking into a, a shop to buy a new phone, mm-hmm. and you've been spending the last two years, you know, trying to help cure cancer, yeah, and you're confronted with a better deal yeah. on a Samsung, yeah, and you're like, well, mm, but my, yeah, I'm part of this thing, yeah, right? Yeah, it's it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a good example of, of how we think and, and the way that we've always wanted to grow brands, mm-hmm. not by what they say, but by what they do, yeah. Um, so we're lucky that we've kind of carved this space, yeah. There aren't that many other people in this area, yeah. I think. I mean, there are a lot of people doing innovation, sure. So, there's the big agencies, it's, it's a buzzword for sure. It's a buzzword, but yeah. It's not, I don't know if it's this deep, I don't know if it's this. I don't know. Bottom. I think that, um, the big agencies have innovation departments, and mm. in my experience, they're, they're very good for like trend analysis, yeah, seeing mm. what's hot. Um, serving up new technology to the creative department, but really innovation for a big agency is how do we create an innovative ad campaign, mm-hmm. right? Whereas for us, innovation is the creation of something new mm-hmm. that changes um, people's perception of a brand, yeah. and most importantly, generates revenue. Yeah. So for us, uh, our, our success metrics are on you know products yeah. working. Um, which is I joke you know I was talking at a thing recently and someone there was a panel of us kind of creatives and someone said you know what's your point of view on failure and then everyone was like oh failure is good failure is good you learn etc and then mm-hmm. I answered the question and I was like <laughs> failure is a shocker if you fail <laughs> if we fail right it's a serious problem yeah. right because our, our clients are looking at the bottom line they're like how much profit um, you know how much revenue and how much mm-hmm. profit is this new thing going to generate us over five years mm-hmm. Um, and you live and die by that. And if those things don't work, you know, you're in trouble. And yeah, fine. You can fail in terms of, you know, in the product development stage. Right. I um, mean, you can fail in terms of, you know, creating a beta and then, you know, changing it. Mm-hmm. But you can't fail. Ultimately fail. <laughs> you right. can't ultimately fail because we're right. here to make money for our clients. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another key differentiator. We, you know, we work at board level mm-hmm. and we're here to make, to make money um, for our clients' businesses. How did you personally, as an ad guy... And
0: we'll talk about where you started, but as a guy who, who, how did you learn the business side of this whole thing? Is it just on the street, street, smart, being around, <laughs> hanging out in meetings and listening to these guys? Because I think since I've known you, sitting here listening to all these things you're working on, I think you, you sound more like a CEO than ever before, just <laughs> understanding P&L and money and guys how capitals raised and all that stuff. Was that something you always knew? No, I didn't. and it's not something it's, that's out.
1: It's not something that um, you know necessarily comes particularly easily. No, to me. right. So um, I'm way more of a, like an ideas totally. guy, but you know, just surrounding ourselves with the right people. Yeah. So uh, recently, we trained everyone in the company, including the most like junior, crazy, creative designers. Right. On you know. On, on the inner organizations and how they make money. Okay. And profit and loss and so everyone margins. Here understands this language. You train everyone them. everyone has been trained. Wow. So it's right to the point where we then got okay. everyone to write presentations back to us. Right. And uh, with you know Hypothetical companies or real companies, mm-hmm. and even the most junior of creatives right. came back with like spreadsheets. So if I've spotted a gap in there, <laughs> you know, I'm seeing that there's a there's an opportunity here and there, yeah. you know, to make more margin if we do this. And you know, it's changed the the, the dynamic. Yeah. And, and every single person in our business has to be taught that way. And I think that when I joined the advertising industry, I was taught you know, the process of making a print ad, Yeah. you know, and, I, and part of our graduate training was to go to the printers and see them print the ad. Right. And I think we've had to just change everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that the more and more we've gone into this space, mm-hmm. the more and more we've left the advertising industry behind yeah. personally. Yeah. And I think Wayne, my business partner, would say the same. And we've really had to immerse ourselves. And now we spend more time with venture capital firms right. and private equity firms mm-hmm. talking about, you know, growth and change and all of that stuff, um, and disruptive businesses mm-hmm. that are really screwing with the system, yeah. than we do talking about um, executional campaign stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of that in what we do. Sure. A big part of the go-to-market strategy is making sure that these great new ideas are seen by the world. Yeah. So there's still a lot of application mm-hmm. of that of the advertising experience, mm-hmm. but really, it's a re-attribu- you know, We reattributed the creative process. Um, and you know what? It's just as much fun sitting down to dream up a new business that is going to change the world. Yeah. Is in my mind a lot more fun than sitting there and dreaming up a, a new ad campaign that's going to win a load of awards. Yeah. You know, it's a. I, I found that too. That
0: it's as creative to get it when you mix the two together. Yeah. The business side and the cre-
1: creative side. It's pretty intoxicating. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty amazing, right? I mean, the best creative, yeah. the best business minds in the world are, are some of the most creative minds. Absolutely. And I think creative commerce um, is an amazing space. Yeah. But it's a space that's been dominated a lot by by advertising. And what we haven't yet been able to do is create a service mm-hmm. for clients to be able to tap into that. Yeah. And then we, you know, if we take London, for example. Um, London has always had great creative minds. Yeah. Like in the ad industry, yeah. you look back, some of the greatest ad industries and the greatest ad men, in the world world have come from London. Some of them, not all of them, but some some of them have. A good percentage of them have. And I think that you then take the same mentality, the same philosophy, but you apply it in a different way. And I think that has a huge value to to businesses. I think that they don't just want to figure out campaigns. They have problems. And then you look at the management consultant industry, highly intelligent um, people, very, very well-trained, um but but they tend not to be the most creative of people right. so there is a gap between the two mm-hmm. and that's kind of where we're playing yeah Tell, so
0: let's go back you when I first met you, you were working at on new business. This is this, this where you a yeah. new business at McCann. Is that like yeah. your first job? Yeah, yeah. And so you, and your dad was in the business?
1: Yeah, my dad was. Yeah, he ran um his own agency. Yeah. Uh for a number of years. Okay. Uh Little Strodel first and then Davis Little Cowley Fiddies and, and he was a creative, okay. an executive creative director. Yeah. So um So you kinda of grew up in the business? Well, I kinda of grew up in the in the business, but I went to meet him. Yeah. And uh and I said, "Hey, Dad, I've been offered a a job at um at an agent at an ad agency, and a great ad agency at the time called yes. St. Luke's. Yeah, um, St. Luke's. Okay. Said, hey, come work with us.' And yeah. they were like a revolutionary agency. Yeah. And our former chairman Andy Law was was one of the founders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they said. Yeah, come in at some point and work for a couple of weeks, see see how it goes. See so much. I was 18, of school, no university. So I went to meet him and, he, and his first comment was, no, I didn't think you were going to work in advertising. And then his business partner said, oh, if you want to meet someone at McCann, right. uh, I'll hook you up. So I thought, well, you know, go check it out. Yeah. So I went along and met the managing director of McCann Erickson. Who was that at the time? A guy called Alex Ferguson, okay. um, who who became an amazing mentor and had a huge a role thing. to play. Yeah. A big effect. Yeah. So I went to meet him, and he was the managing director at the time. And uh, and I sat down with him, and he, and he looked at my CV, and he said, so you work at Pizza Express? I said, <laughs> yeah, I do. And he said, in the marketing department. And I said, no, I'm a waiter. <laughs> and then he looked at me like... How have you managed to get into my office? Yeah, And then I I quickly thought, I'm going to have to do something here. Otherwise, I'm just going to be marched out of the building. So I said, but in my spare time, I run this .com. And at the time, .com were like the buzzword. Yeah. and We had like five .com pitches a week going on. Yeah, yeah. This is pre the bubble. This birthday. is 99, 98, This is like 2000, 2000. beginning of 2000. Yeah. So, so I showed him this website that we would built called journeyfurther.com. Mm-hmm where the plan was to syndicate articles from students and travelers mm-hmm. into this kind of content hub. Okay. Way before it's time. Yeah. No one really cared much about content. <laughs> this is still when people were, were, were just trying to figure out how to book a flight. Yeah. Let alone, you know, right. the content to go with yeah. it. How to blog about And it. we didn't have anyone to write about it yeah. stuff. So we had to do all the, we had to make up stories. Yeah. Oh yeah. Morocco here, you know, so it was <laughs> all a bit, bit crazy, but, but off the back of that, he was like, wow, this guy's got his own dot com. Yeah. And he said, start tomorrow. Uh, you can you can do two weeks. Uh, and then after a week, he called me into his office and said, stick around. So um, I joined the new business department. Okay. And that was my thing. I just loved it. Yeah. They moved me into account management right away, which was no, after no. a year. And you're like, uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, no, no, they were like, this is a problem. You <laughs> you are the worst. They actually said you're the worst account person yeah. we have ever hired. <laughs> <laughs> and I just and then and then basically I, I pretty much got the boot and then on the way out out the door, um the global head of business development for IPG yeah. who I'd worked on a couple of pitches with <laughs> and sadly at this point Alex um had passed away. So Alex very, very tragically died in a rock climbing accident. Okay. And he was like my age now, um, yeah, yeah. so young guy, in his, in wow. his early thirties, and um, and heartbreakingly died yeah. in a in a freak rock climbing accident. Wow. So I was kind of a little bit on my own, and it was, I was a bit freaked out, and I was doing the whole account management thing, and mm-hmm. I was working on Coca Cola and Microsoft, and I was just causing havoc. Yeah. Um, but on the way out the door, the global head of business development, I went to see him, mm-hmm. a great guy called Kevin Allen, and he ran kind of IPG Growth. Yeah, yeah. Very very senior guy, yeah. American guy, and I said, "Kevin, I'm leaving," and 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 I said that uh, apparently I'd make a better landscape gardener than I would an ad man, <laughs> and he went, "No bloody way! Go downstairs, get your shit, unplug it." bring it upstairs, plug it in outside my office, you work for me now. That's awesome. So I literally went from one floor in the building to the executive floor in the building. That's funny. And then carried on working on new business. And that's what I loved. Yeah. And and, and all the people that I worked with on when I was doing the account stuff were cool. They were like, oh, thank God, he's back in new business. Right. Um, You should have been. Yeah. And I loved it. You know, I loved the chase. Yeah. Uh, Anyone can have an idea. Yeah. And because I wasn't a creative in terms of I wasn't in the creative department. Right. Um, when you're working on a big piece of business, you're not allowed to throw out ideas, and yeah. well, you weren't then. Yeah. Um, whereas when you're working on a pitch yeah, it and matter. it's the night before the right. pitch <laughs> and no one's got anything, right. then you know you can do whatever you want. Yeah, the tea lady can chuck out an idea and you know, you'll probably roll with it. So I loved it, and I did all the pitches, and, yeah. and, and then I, went, I left McCann, went to another IPG startup called Boy Meets Girl, which was actually a lot of the guys from St. Luke's. Yeah. And that's no. when I met you and then we met early yeah. days and yeah. then, and then so the Boy Meets Girl was a classic it was like a 14 month yeah. zero hero and then because it had tons of talent oh right it was like 80 people on day one yeah um, and it was a whole load of IPG businesses smashed together yeah and it, was it an IPG shop yeah it was, okay, it they was pulled a, a bunch of people together it was like a, a bunch of different IPG businesses gotcha. that they all put under one brand yep. and then under one management team gotcha and it was a car crash <laughs> Basically. Just culturally, too much culturally, too many, people, too many cooks. I mean, you had like a very good below-the-line agency yeah. merged with a very notorious, famous, pure German ad agency. Yeah. Merged with like the most out there design agency, which yeah. was Dan, yeah. and then merged with a bunch of other management that had been put, sucked in from other companies, oh and and they had a handful of big clients, but um you know one or two of those big clients obviously walked, and then they couldn't you know top it up, and I was there as doing the new business, yeah. and I was sitting on the kind of board. Anyway, fourteen months later. Come I come back I come back from a cup of coffee. Yeah. People are tearing the plasmas off out of reception and I'm like, whoa <laughs> It's like the ship was it was like the final moments of the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's no more shuffling of chairs. <laughs> Let's just nick the chairs. Um it was it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but but off the back of that we um And this is when right that's there. when we met. So yeah. then and Wayne I'd swear I met Wayne. Yeah, yeah. And we decided, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do Fantasy e. Frank, and no. we're going to do. Do you remember where you got the name? So the name had come many years before. Okay. Uh, working with Tom Hodgson, mm-hmm. um, who's the other kind of original founder mm-hmm. of Felicity e. Frank, and he obviously spent some time yeah. in, with us during. I you just him uh, last week. You're just wanna, you just podcast You want to listen time. to Tom? It's, it's up there. If you want to listen to Tom, it's there. It's Tom, right there. Tom's uh, still very much involved in Felicity e. Frank, but he spends most of his time as a film writer, screenplay yeah. writer, and he's doing brilliantly well. And Felicity e. Frank was a name that Tom and I were using long, yeah, back in the day. Okay, so so Felicity e. Frank had been. It was never a business. It yeah. was never an idea. It was it was a. Name, yeah, uh, and then so Felicity e. Frank was really born at that point with myself and Wayne, and, and Tom was very much involved. Mm-hmm. And that was when we were like, We see this gap in the market, yeah. it's growing, and yeah. we want to do this IP thing, yep. you know, we want to do less executional stuff mm-hmm. and more big business ideas. And then that's when we met you guys, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how we ended up. The McCann great. guys they knew me from yeah. when I was a lot younger at McCann, yeah, so I was a known entity, yeah. um, they loved Wayne. And it just happened. Yeah. And then that's where we met John. I mean, that's really where yeah, John, John was uh, John came the into our MD life. of Momentum when I was there. So John was the MD of Memento. Great prince. And he was a dude. Yeah. Another tragic dude. story. The another Avengers. another yeah. guy that passed away young. Which is a way great person, yeah. But um, a huge talent. Huge Wonderful talent. Guy. I learned a lot from him. So John saw great potential in what we were doing. Yeah. And I think that when a lot of the let's say the board mm-hmm. of Momentum and a lot of the IPG guys were like, Oh, it's it's this crazy creative, these crazy creative guys, and they're just going to do crazy stuff. Yeah, I think that he he saw that, you know, some of the guys there saw that the market was changing. Mm-hmm. And let's take a look at the McCann World Group. You've yeah. got McCann Erickson, you've got Weber Shandwick, you've got Future Brand, you've MR. got, you know, MRM um, and uh, Universal McCann, right? So you've got the full suite, yeah. and now there are more, yeah, uh, yeah. attached tax You've got the full suite of, of communication services, and there was this constant battle for who owned the big idea. Yeah. And more and more pitches, more and more briefs were coming in, we need a big idea. Yep. You know, whether it be Unilever, Bacardi, Mini, whoever it was. Mm. And I think that, um, that what we were good at working with you and the guys at the team was cracking that big idea. Yeah. And because momentum was not tethered to any discipline. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Momentum was the one that you could get away with anything. You could get away with anything. Yeah. And I think that it was the part of its um you know, that comes with this huge negative, right? right. Which is How do clients view it? Yeah, and also you you can become a jack of all trades and master of none. Right, right. Right. But uh, but at the same time, McCann was like, no, 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 we have to have the big idea because we're the ad agency. And the big idea for McCann always was a global sixty second spot. Yeah, well, that's because that's what they sell. That's what they sell. That's how they make their money. Yeah. So I think what what we did was was usually crack those big ideas, and then I think that and that was a lot of fun. But it was never really what we're doing now, yeah, um, we still have to do those ideas in yeah. order to have the products that we come up with. yeah I, my my favorite thing about
0: working with you was always there was you'd instantly read a brief and reframe the brief into making to find the problem, the real problem they're trying to solve, right? Most clients come with a brief and they they're leading you down a solution path of a marketing solution. But the problem is a totally different thing, yeah, often. And, and if you back it up, it's easy to come back with a, it's not easy, but you can reframe what they're asking to come back with a big
1: idea. And I think for me, that's, that's the kind of the most exciting, um, creative challenge. Yes. It's not, uh, in the execution. A lot of people dig that end of, of, of the creative journey. Yeah. But for me, the, the bit I really love is that bit. It's yeah. the bit of, it's like, okay, what is the thing? What is the real thing here? Yeah. And, and what is the real opportunity? And, and actually, if the sky's the limit, how big could this thing be? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that it's, you know, talking about power to give, the example with HTC, you know, the problem was that people, people didn't really, couldn't really differentiate HTC. Yeah. There was like nothing really there for them to attach themselves to. But then the big payoff to that idea is like, wow, we can really do something that is like radical. Well, one of, one of my favorite pitches working
0: for you, we brought you into St. Louis to help launch this new, it was a flavor extension, a Bud Light, <laughs> yeah.
1: right? A simple, like they do 20 of them a year at that brewery. Mm. But that idea that, that you cracked, right? When they, I remember you calling me up and say, Ben, great brief, Bud Light. And I was like, yeah, it's got lime in it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Cool. Um, and you're like, and this is a spotlight. They're going to turn off everything yep. and turn it all of their advertising everything media the whole shebang yep. onto this yep. for like two weeks yep. and then then they're going to go back to doing what they whatever need. they do right. and I was, we'll like, wow. I was like how much is that in terms of media yeah and it was some astronomical yeah. figure yeah it's millions of dollars so they're going to put everything in.
0: they're going to watch, this product. Yeah, they watch know, this product that's what they know how to do right yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had a good laugh on that. I just remember calling up and saying, but, uh, well, I've got one crazy idea.
0: Yes. <laughs> and so this is it. But to find, and the idea was bringing, making, using this this money they're going to set, instead of just saying, we've got lime on it, and say, hey, that's really good news. Yeah. Right? The, the fact that Bud Light now has lime on it is good news. And that became the idea. Yeah. So we were let's like, make, let's make this entire thing
1: yeah. about spreading good news. Yeah, the world. that's launched the world's first newspaper that only prints good news. only prints good news. And the first piece of good news is Bud Light's got a lime in it. Right. <laughs> and I remember everyone going, wow, that's a really, yeah. that's a different idea. Yeah. Um, and then when we, the funniest is when we pitched it because. Yeah. So we're in with Bob Lackey, who everyone in St. Louis will know. I mean, so this is the team. I think Dave Peacock
0: might have been in the meeting, honestly. It was Bob Lackey meeting. was in the meeting. All the people, everyone knows. And we had like two or three routes.
1: Yeah, two or three routes. And they were all good. And they were all good. And I remember one of them was about spotlight. And then another route, I can't remember what the second route was. And then we had to get up last. And it was Wayne and I. And we were like, shit, this is going to be heavy. (laughs) And then we pitched it. And there was like silence afterwards. And it was one of those great moments where you could see everyone in the room didn't really know what to do. Right. Until Bob went, well, I think this is great. Yeah. And then everyone went, I think this is great too. (laughs) Totally.
0: (laughs) That was one of those pitches. It was, a, it was a killer pitch. Uh, walked out of there, smiles on our faces. They, were, they loved it. They yeah, absolutely. absolutely loved it. And then I can't
1: remember, they ultimately went with a DDB idea <laughs> with Limey, uh, some comedy thing. Brilliant. But I mean, that's yeah. that's it, you know. I mean, sometimes, your brief was like, yeah. we just want to be remembered. Yeah. And we were. And we were remembered. And <laughs> yeah. I think that that's a really good example. It's, it's
0: funny. It, as a, as. That was one of those pitches that got us more pitches. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: And that I a lot. Fast forward 10 years, that's the kind of idea now that clients, I think, are way more in a, in a holding, they're way more in a pattern to buy. Yes. Because you take a look at the the impact of the internet, right? Right. We are bombarded by everything. Yeah. Um, Content is king. Yeah. And businesses now know that they need to dedicate to content. Every major brand in the world is looking for a great content idea. And on top of that, there are ways to monetize it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then also, you know, business has changed. You need to do something big. And you, and I think it's less about what you say as a brand. So you said, you know, DDB cracked some clever. Yeah, and it was funny thing, and less, it would have been great.
0: Yeah, right. It was, it, but it wasn't even anyway. It was just one of those, yeah. typical
1: safe sort of things they bought. But it was probably yeah. great, and it probably did a good job. But you know, if we'd done the good news thing, yeah. it would still be there today. Yeah. And I think that, um, the, the market has changed and grown up. Yeah. Um, and I, I that, that, those ideas like that, I think are, are, we're going to see more of them. Yeah. Well, and it, so do you find clients are
0: now, and as you just sort of said, brand people, you know, and we all deal with them and just hearing the stories since I've been here the couple pitches I've witnessed. <laughs> I mean, you guys are in pitch mode all the time. They've yeah. been pitching some incredible clients. But there's more decision makers now than ever, right? You've yeah are yeah, yeah and that, I think that's got to be really hard to, to get through
1: a pure idea. It around. is yeah so um, to go to, to take the good news example, yeah one of the issues is embedding an idea like that into a business. yeah So very difficult to do. So the two things we've done is first, I mentioned earlier, work at board level. Mm-hmm. You ultimately need to be with decision makers. If you're, if you're coming up with new business ideas and new products and services, yeah. it's really at board level that those things get signed off. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Yeah. I think if you get caught up in the melee, yeah. you know, if you present an idea to a, um, to a marketing department yeah. or a junior marketing department, or marketing manager and say, like, hey this is this idea is going to change your company over yeah. the next five years but you know no it's either. not inside their yeah. their remit right yeah. and, um, and and quite rightly yeah. so I think clients are, are starting to hire more people in the innovation space yeah. and that helps so we work at board level the second thing we've had to do is completely reinvent our process so every agency um, that's it's an ad agency has a process mm-hmm. right we were like well that process doesn't work for what we do so yeah. we've had to reinvent the process yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So we have, um, you know, dig deep, dream big, create change. We have a great process. Yeah. The clients go on. And
0: it, it's a very, it's, it is the perfect mix of great marketing think
1: with business consultancy, right? <laughs> oh, and that's, that's the plan. <laughs> I mean, but it is. And I'm just reading it. That's like, the plan. Perfect, right? So I think a part of that process is around creating a parallel universe. You have to create an alternative dimension yeah. to the one that the business is used to. And in that dimension, you can create these new ideas, mm-hmm. and then you have special techniques of taking these ideas and putting them back into the businesses right. that you work with. Um, and it's something that, you know, Johnny Ive uh, said years ago, which was, you know, it only takes the wrong breath to burst the, a great idea. You yeah. know, it's like that wrong comment or that wrong thing. So yeah. you, have to, you have to protect ideas. Yeah. Um, and then you have to take them on the journey and yeah. you have to take the businesses on the journey with you yeah. so that when the board are then reintroduced to this new concept, they feel at one with it yeah. and it doesn't feel like an alien. It's a bit like if, uh, if I performed an operation on you and gave you a brand new heart, yeah. you know, you may or may not, may or may <laughs> not take <laughs> it. Yeah. Your body might just reject it. Yeah. Yeah. And if I built you up. Yeah. Over time, and I've spent a lot of time making sure that it's the right heart. Yeah, yeah. Then, then it can gel. Yeah. So we've had to change a lot and do a lot of processes and, yeah. and do a lot of um, stuff. So, but the way so the way you get around that is by not
0: trying to slug through a new idea in a current system, knowing how much that idea is going to be resisted. Right. Just because mm. that's the way it is. Yeah. It just there's that thing. You sort of invent this
1: parallel universe to create this thing. That's part of our process. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, and um, and then we're starting to build tools now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like any kind of um, management consultancy or any kind of great agency, uh, you know, they all have their their tools that help them do what they do. So we're now in the process. We've just finished building our first tool which is the innovation imperative um, tool. And, um, and that helps a business see where they're good and where they're not so good. Okay. Um, and then that helps us deploy ideas into that business. Kind of helps them find the gaps or what they're... Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So it's good. Yeah, it's good fun. All right, I love it. So I think America for us is the big thing. So that's the next thing where you're, you're coming. So we're working on a number of clients at the moment that are, they're all global, but obviously some have um, more work Uh, to be done in the States and I think that a a presence there for us is going to be important Um, we have a a great social media platform that we're launching called Vero which is available now on the app store set up by V-E-R-O V-E-R-O Vero if you google Vero true social you'll find it it's a fantastic social media platform it's really the next generation of social
0: and did you did someone came to with this thing cooked or did you guys say
1: Great. Here's what we're like. You guys teamed up to invent. No, this okay. yeah, came to us, cooked, introduced okay. to us via Apple. Okay. Our friends at Apple said you got to meet this guy. Okay. He came into the office, an amazing guy called Eamon Hariri, and Eamon's background is in you know development, like major development, building universities, etc. Yeah. And he's a, he's a youngish guy, He's in his kind of uh, mid to late 30s, and he's decided to this is his love. His love is tech. Okay. And he was at Georgetown University, did computer science. So he's gone away and, and, and built this empire, yeah. um, and, uh, and and ran his family business, and decided, right, I'm going to do this now. So yeah. he turns up at the office, he shows me the app, <laughs> and it was at, at the point it was at like a 0.8, yeah, yeah. It hit its 1.0, and we started working right then and there that day, yeah, um, and uh, and he's he's fantastic and and really. It's the next generation of social. You know, we take a look at social media and what it does is it lowers our relationships, the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. So if you and I are having this chat now and the door opens and someone we've never met before walks in, the dynamic is very different. Yeah. And I think that the what the first thing it does is it allows you to be able to categorize and group your friends into close friends, friends, and acquaintances. The second thing it does is, is allows you to share multiple types of posts. So it's it's very like Instagram in its in its design. Okay. Apart from just instead of just sharing photos, you can share songs you're listening to, movies you're watching, books you're reading, yeah. places you're hanging out at, articles you're you're reading, etc.
0: And it makes so, that super easy? Is that is that the, the key because it's just easy to find all those things? Well I think shit, it's perfect.
1: it's as we're leaving as we're leaving the kind of first generation of social platforms mm-hmm. and moving into a new space. Yeah. We're losing that um, that USP. You know, Snapchat's USP was like disposable messaging. Yeah, yeah. Um, And everyone had one thing that they did. In truth, as any industry grows up, Mm -hmm. they they leave that the one thing they do. Yeah, right. And they move into a space where it's. Far better designed, far more dynamic, mm-hmm. um, uh, very intuitive, and more rounded. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's it's no advertising in it. Yeah. It's completely private. All of your data is completely private. But the thing that the guys have figured out is social commerce. What no one has yet figured out is yeah. how do you sell stuff yeah. through social media? And that's what these guys have figured out. Gotcha. So next week, we're launching um, uh, around um, London Fashion Week uh, the ability for people to be able to purchase and buy directly through the app. Yeah. So a brand can just post a product. Um, and just like scrolling through, you're seeing, uh, hey, there's a picture, and there's a movie, and oh, there's a product. You can hit buy, put your thumb on the on the thumb scanner um, on Apple Pay, and That's that product it. arrives. Wow. So where it becomes exciting is when talent, mm-hmm. you know, let's take someone like, I don't know, Katy Perry, biggest name on Twitter, yeah. or... Taylor Swift 70 million followers on Instagram it gives talent an opportunity to monetize their, their following um, but you would only be sold to if you were following that individual or that brand so it's very smart and Eamon's an incredibly smart guy he's got a great team of mm-hmm. developers and we've had a lot of fun and right now um, Wayne's in the States i his we going to have to beep that too oh <laughs> <laughs> meeting. meeting with beep um, but yeah uh, <laughs> the um, yeah it's a lot of fun that's, that's awesome way. and I think that uh, I encourage everyone to check it out because you know these big industries are changing fast yeah. um, and you know p- people say to us who's crazy enough to launch a new social media platform in 2016 yeah. Yeah. but you could say that for anything if that was the way that everyone felt about everything we'd still be you know yeah. riding around yeah. in horse and carts right. right exactly well that's cool I, I,
0: love, I love the app I think it's great alright any uh, last thoughts future of the industry stuff
1: Future see, of the industry. Yeah, things you see, things you look at, oh, we've got to figure this out. I think for, for those that are, um, are working in the ad industry and the creative, conventional creative communication services, yeah. you know, the innovation thing is, is getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. I, what I say is it's, it's not a department. It's a discipline. Yeah. So for those that are interested and want to do it, you know, I think that um, you can't just bolt it on to whatever you do. Mm-hmm. You know, new product development companies... Uh, are closer to doing it but they need to think bigger than new products research companies have a lot of data mm-hmm. uh, but they need to go beyond the data and to get into the insights what is it what, what are we what does this all mean where are we going yeah. ad agencies have amazing creative minds um, but they have to stop thinking in terms of execution. And then branding agencies and PR agencies, et cetera, um, who have the means of getting things out there, mm-hmm. I think need to work closely with clients to invent new things. And I think that the, the, the industry is changing. Yeah. You know? but unfortunately, we've been able to commoditize the advertising industry, yes. PR, media, yeah. etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, and it, because it's come become so commoditized, the big global networks are all merging into these huge conglomerates. And it's now about how cheaply can, can I get an ad, not how great can I have an ad. Right. And even I think that the... If I think back to when we were in St. Louis together working with, you know, on all the Budweiser briefs and doing that stuff, yeah. that felt for me like the the end of an era. Yes. Um, it was the end of an era. It was the end of an era, it right? And then an I remember that, that off the back of the, you know, the acquisition of, of Anheuser-Busch, the merge with Imbev, mm-hmm. suddenly the culture, everything changed. It, yeah. went, it went less from, you know, the glory days of we're going to shoot a load of spots yeah. and we're going to run the best one. Yeah. To we're not going to shoot any spots, right? We're going to research the hell of everything, and we're mm-hmm. going to find another way to, to to do it. And I think that at that moment, the thing that opened up when one thing dies, oh, yeah. another thing is born. Yeah, um, the thing that opened up is is this this new innovation yeah. space. Yeah, and I think that the um, St. Louis is a great place. Is yeah. a great town and a a great place to be doing this kind of thing because there's a huge history of innovation a huge history of product development a huge history of growth building amazing brands Mm -hmm. it feels like a good town to do it well let's we're going to work on something out of St. Louis definitely in the future watch this space watch this space I'm excited Ben
0: really nice to talk to you love you brother Jeff
1: thank you come on
0: epic (laughs) (laughs) give me (laughs) a (laughs) hug
1: (laughs) that's good fun.